everyone welcome to the bonus episode 426 of conversation street i'm Gemma. i'm michael today we're talking about the second half of the 1970s we are yeah we are you're just you're giving me a quizzical look just in case you've turned up to the wrong place just in case that's, what I'm, the wrong decade. that's what I'm ready to talk about anyway i don't know about you we've reached the end of the 1970s on our dvd watchathon Definitely looking like we're not going to make it up to a modern day by the end of uh, this year, but never mind. It gives us something to carry on to in twenty twenty one. It's just past it's your do. days. It is. I'm still enjoying it. Yeah. It's it's um. I mean, how many are we watching a week roughly? It feels like, you know, six or seven episodes a week or so on average. It's. It's yeah. It, it's it's something to look Corey forward than to. New Yes, I, I, I think that's true. It's something I'm looking forward to, and we're still watching a mixture of the DVDs and YouTube suggestions from Corypedia, which yes, are very helpful. Yes, that'd be very good, some of those. Uh, they should have been in charge of putting, deciding who, what went on the discs, but... Yeah. Must have been a very difficult job to just pick 80 episodes for a decade. Indeed. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, fine. I'm, I'm still positive about it. I still think, you know, if I compare the 1970s to the 1960s, I prefer the 60s. Yeah. But I feel, I'm glad now that I've got a good understanding of what the 1970s Corrie is all about, because that was a, a massive, you know... Blind spot. Blind spot, exactly, in my Corrie personal history. That Me too. And I, and I feel that, yeah, when I, when I look back on that decade now, I go, oh yeah, that's when such and such happened. Although I would say... Um, I'd say that compared to the 60s, there are fewer um, big episodes, fewer famous episodes. I think you're right. Yeah, that's true. It happened more when we were watching the 60s that we'd go, oh, this is the one where such and such happens. Yeah. Or this is the one with that, that favourite. And I know there, there were some episodes like this in the 1970s. They were fewer and far between. Yeah. Um, but there were more, um, you know, slice of life every day single episode comedic kind of jolly episode you know what i mean i feel like everyone gets more it's so silly because it's not true but, but it feels as though everyone gets more time to just be a character and it can't really be true because there weren't as many episodes how do you mean i don't know i just Compared feel like to now. like for example i've hardly seen any episodes with ren uh, ren and lita together <laughs> len and rita together um, but I know, I feel like I know their relationship so much better than anyone, like, I know way more about how their relationship works than I know about, oh, name anyone. From modern times. Yeah. I know what you mean, and it's not just a case of, you know, knowing what they are to become, so we give no, them a no. little bit of extra Cause I don't always consideration. Know. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, like, I, I, maybe it's because they're a bit wary of, of falling on stereotypes because a lot of what we're watching are stereotypes and they and they lean into those as storytelling tropes but i mean that's not really true in that that doesn't happen in modern cory either no. so i don't really know no i i don't know i know i know what you mean though um and i can just say also stereotypes are a really really helpful way in, in a tv show like coronation street it doesn't have a lot of time to quickly give you information about somebody um it's not always harmful to have stereotypes. <laughs> I know some people don't like them, but they can be. You can accuse them of being a bit lazy, but I, I think 
I don't see. No. I think it's good. No. So um, <laughs> when, when I look back at the second half of the 70s, that this was what, when I was reading about this beforehand, it was billed as the reintroduction of comedy to Coronation Street after going through a bit of a dry period. And it's when they hired Bill Podmore as a producer at some point during this, who was an ex Granada comedy producer, and he wanted to you know, bring back the, the laughs to Coronation Street. Though I think also one thing that I am missing in this is a is a proper good knowledge of what was on television at the time. Mm. And I but I, I'm gonna take a stab in the dark here and say that I think that there were a lot of like crime dramas and like and and comedies. I think we I think we really like crime dramas, mm. like American ones, and we also really liked kinda like just comedies that nobody remembers watching yeah. anymore. Just from the adverts that we've seen of the seventies, oh, a yeah. lot of the adverts, a lot of the programs that they were advertising. So, do you think that the coronation? You saying that Coronation Street slotted a, into the like natural comedic times shift. of the seventies? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I don't sure know. Some of the comedies that were on bum, some of the comedies that were on there were um, certainly not things that you could repeat these days. A little bit culturally uh, insensitive, but Coronation Street, I would say, is uh, to hit don't the mark and is still perfectly relevant it's remarkable to me that coronation street has had so few scandalous episodes that you look back on now and you'd think oh you could not do that that now yeah because everyone is portrayed as a product of their time and environment and there's such a rich diversity of different types of reactions to things Mm. that you you're never going to be fed something as though this is how it should be or like even when stan was beating hilda up watching it you're like this is what you people used to think was a good thing mm. you know this is this used to be normal to people but that that for example that's an example i mean that's that stopped now hasn't it it's not really in the, yeah i mean and it was 70s. only it was only threats of it in yeah the, yeah we never really 60s. got to see her him doing it but well we did see her get a black eye once oh we? yeah yeah that's true but that 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 problematic episode by which I mean behaviour, not episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a small part of, of the overall yeah. show. I mean, we know we know from TV that there were really problematic attitudes towards women, towards minorities, towards um, groups of people that weren't, you know, white men. Mm. But Coronation Street has managed to do a really good job of of being diverse, except. For when it comes to gay people, there are no gay people in Coronation Street. No, well, there still in aren't the very many people of colour either, are there? There's not in the, the odd no. person here and there, but certainly not getting any big parts. I mean, well, this there is the was, thing. Um, yeah, just to say, yeah, there are no problematic, really, references that we've seen to gay people or black people, but they managed to do that by just not putting them in the show. Mm. So I guess I shouldn't give them too many props for that. Well, there, there was, um, if I'm thinking of a uh, character of colour, Janice Stubbs, who was the um, the lady that Ray Langton was having that affair with before he bogged yeah. off to Holland. I was really surprised that her race didn't come into it. Yeah, so was I. And we, we, the same as we had been for the first half of the 70s, we were reading on Coropedia the summaries of the episode preceding the one that we were about to watch, and they bring mm. up Janice Stubbs, and I didn't know what she looked like. So that exactly, it was. It didn't come into it at all. So it was a quite you know, pleasant surprise when this actress comes into it, and um, 
Yeah, she was she was mixed race, and and she was also an actress that we recognised from yeah. from a bit part in Red Dwarf as well. But yeah, on on the whole, that was certainly a, an area that Coronation Street um, w- was a little bit behind the times on, or maybe they weren't behind the times. I don't at think the they. Time. I I don't. I, I'm not gonna say it was. Yeah, can you really say it's progressive if they just didn't include people? Mm, mm. I don't know. The other thing, the other thing is, it is supposed to be a snapshot of working class street in an, a, a working class area which was predominantly white. I don't know why I'm making excuses, but I can only imagine that was the reasoning behind it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Let's go back to the uh, the comedy for a <laughs> bit then, because I think looking back on this period as a whole, some of the episodes that I remember most fondly were the comedic ones. And I have to say that Stan and Hilda carried the second half of the 70s for me there, there were highlights here there and everywhere from the other characters but when we got to an episode that was here's another Ogden caper you know you're in for a good time and the addition of Eddie Yates to the mix who we'd seen like in one episode maybe in the first half of the 70s just made it perfection for me they they had so many great episodes together, I love that they? trio they were so wonderful any Eddie was somebody who um, it was a name you'd heard of but it hadn't meant anything towards but immediately the only taste I had got... of Eddie Yates was when we were at the Corrie Fest all those years ago and I think they showed a clip or a whole episode when they had to go to the tip yeah yeah I don't even know when that was set no I can't remember whether we passed that or whether that's still to come in now. the 80s but, and obviously the actor um, Jeffrey Hughes from Keeping Up Appearances as well and there was definite similarities between Eddie's character and and uh, Onslow in that but he, he just made the perfect third person in that relationship because they had the Ogdens who were just perennial um, you know bad luck um, yeah. and, 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 and he basically the, the, the plot of any story almost that with them was that Eddie would come to the house and he had acquired <laughs> go, hey, something look, look at this I've got and she go get yeah. that out and of then, there I don't want that and either. then they turn that and into an go, episode oh, Hilda I, I think we should give him a chance and you go hey listen here missus this is really great. Yeah. Go, like bringing chickens. That was hilarious. And that was something I don't even remember ever reading about before. But I loved the the, the episodes. I thought, when was that? 78 <laughs> maybe? Or was it maybe early 79? When they had these chickens in the backyard that, that Eddie had brought. And, just, uh, and he named them after some of the women on the street. And he he's because he was smart, he was always able to convince Stan and Hilda that it was a great idea to bring them along. To, to 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 you know to to go along with his scheme. The other one, one of the other ones I remember was the the fruit machine episode where he manages to. I never even remember where he gets these from, but he has this fruit machine, and then the plot of the episode is basically Stan feeding money from here, there, and everywhere into the fruit machine to try and and, and, and win. Yeah, he, he ends up getting yeah, dipping into the gas funds, and then at the very end of the episode, the lights go off, don't they? And Stan and Hilda are left sitting in the dark. Yeah, because. No, he'll, um, Beck comes in. Oh, yeah, Beck comes and in like, and wins oh, it all. Oh, a fruit machine, do you mind if I have a go? Puts one coin in. Well, no, she puts a few coins in, and then she wins everything that was in there, and they're trying to get her to give the money back, and she's like, I want it fair and square, yeah. and walks out, and then, yeah, that's when the lights go out, and they can't, they can't put them back on again, because Stan has spent all the money that was in it. It's brilliant. Um, 
the Muriel made its first appearance in the second half of the 70s, didn't it? Which was another thing that Eddie brought in. The episode, I just love the episode where, where Hilda gets that and she's so proud of it, isn't she? Yeah. She, and, and there's arguments over whether it's the Alps or the Rockies and then she invites Annie over to the house to have a look and Annie's, Annie's look when she turns around and then she, got, and then she sits with her back to it saying, I just need to acclimatise myself <laughs> to it. Annie, tell you what, there are some characters I'm sure we'll come to later who weren't as good in the second half as they had been in previous years but I would say that Annie Walker kept on perfect performance just stayed in character entertaining for exactly the same reasons throughout she she hasn't gone off the boil yet no I know like but some I still other characters maybe Jack. have oh I totally miss Jack I think but Jack she was really uh, uh, it's interesting that they never gave her another husband mm-hmm. I I think she, but I, I, I enjoyed seeing her without, and that there were some of the, um, the stories from the early half of the second half of the decade, which showed her, um, you know, standing on her own and uh, and running the pub and and the brewery trying to get rid of her, but her, you know, being a total badass and saying no. There was one where didn't she phone up the brewery or something and speak to someone she spoke to the managing director and she's like hello i'm not going anywhere I, yeah okay, basically she, she's awesome but that that was soon after the episode where um some the, these really posh yobbos came and robbed her didn't they we got to there this was almost was a whole quite, episode set inside annie's bedroom i thought this was quite poignant because this is what happened to her in real life mm. and watching it was kind of difficult because she was quite imperious and um still frightened but she stood up to them and it does make me wonder what she thought in real life when she was being robbed and she was hiding in her upstairs and she could hear them and it's all very well playing a character who's brave but in real life she would have known that she could have been Mm. killed i mean it's a it's an old adage to say coronation street is a a show about strong women but that particular episode for me just went to show with annie walker those series of episodes showed that even somebody you know in their twilight years could still stand up against any any men Um, uh, also the the other thing i remember about that episode which seemed to be a theme that i started noticing about the houses is that they all had incredibly high ceilings and I don't know if this is just a 70s thing or whether it was supposed to be the sets, but Annie there propped up in her bed with this um, light cord dangling next to her that was you know, going up six, eight up feet into, into, the, into the ceiling. Yeah. But yeah, everybody seemed to have really, really high ceilings. Yeah, because the, they didn't have ceilings. In the 70s, there yeah, there, there were no ceilings there. I would love a house with high ceilings. and mm. I, I, I utterly adore Annie Walker. She, she I think really she's great. only got a few years left in the show, but she's got a pretty flawless run. In my eyes at the moment. Yeah. Go, going back to um, the Ogdens, because as I said, they, they were the highlight for me. Other ones were when um, Stan and Eddie ended up brewing beer in their bathtub because... There was some kind of weird... The, the beer, had the beer gone off or, or there something? There was some kind or... of like shortage of beer. Yeah, there was a short... That's right, because Annie had gone away for a bit. Annie, it seemed... I don't know whether... I can't remember whether this is to do with Doris's health or what, but Annie keeps going away for a bit, doesn't she? And then coming back. And one time she comes back and everyone, Betty and Bet, are, are worried that there's no beer there. And they're worried, they're, 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 they're terrified about what Annie would say. And, and then she just kind of laughs it off after a, a tense pause. And then she, but then she goes into the back room of the Rovers and sees that it's half decorated and um, has a little rag. faint or something like I that. I also really liked the storyline where she gets... Are we talking Annie or Hilda? Annie. <coughs> Where she gets carpet put in. Yes, because that was... With the initials A-W. That was another Eddie um, 
he gives things, her monogrammed personalised oh, carpet and she gets it put down in her back room and, and she brings the Lady Vic- Victulas or something. Something like that. She's, she's got she all these posho this, women yeah, that come round. All these snobby ladies come round and, and just before they're due to arrive, she realises that what she actually has is an off-cut of a bingo hall carpet. Yeah, something or other Weatherfield. Alhambra yeah, Weatherfield. Right. And that was one of the quiz questions I asked you earlier in the year. <laughs> you know the answer now, wouldn't you? Um, oh. So... Yeah, so she freaks out, doesn't she? Yeah. But she just hopes they don't notice. Yeah. And then Eddie tries to convince her that she that it's the bingo hall that has the offcut of her carpet, Eddie not the other way around. So smart. He's the one, yeah, he's one, he's he's he is got animal cunning. He's, he's wily. I'm trying to think of other characters that are like him because he's a comic relief, but he's because he's, he's smart, like he's always got an answer for something. He is, yeah, he is quite like Graham. I don't think there's anyone like him. Who's like a cheeky, fun, ducker diver, comedy? Is there anybody like that in Corrie now? I don't know. Just, just so like a utterly lovable, chance. and he's like a, he's a massive criminal, isn't he? he but is, he's he really is. so so likable about you it. You can't be mad at him. No, I I challenge anybody to to dislike um, Eddie Yates. But yeah, that that other one where they brew beer in the bath and like chucking cornflakes into it for whatever reason was was <laughs> hilarious. They had a recipe, didn't they? Yeah, because they they go they, around to the corner shop, say, don't they? they? And they ask because it was Rini there, and they've got this shopping list of stuff. Sugar, that they it's want. like what? It's just yeah, little capers like that. You know, you're in for a good time, and it's just for one or two episodes, maybe. That yeah. stint, and then and then it's over, and it's it's all about characters and and. Bill Podmore wanting to put more comedy in. These, this was the perfect set of characters to do it with. Um, Hilda's seance as I was well. Say, if you're going to talk about Big Hilda and Amazing. Stan, I, I would say um, that and the and the honeymoon. The honeymoon. Oh, we we got it. Yeah, hang on, let's get hang to on. that. The the, the seance. Was was amazing. We'd seen, I'd seen clips of it before because she showed me, because we did it for a Halloween episode. Mm. Um, but I hadn't seen it in situ in in an, in the actual episode, and it was funny because there was just it was just a normal episode, and then every so often we'd have this like fade cut to like the black room, and they'd all just it was be really well done with their hands on the table, and she, and and she she summoned some kind of ah, demonic that. presence. No, there was something else, wasn't there? There was some kind of Roman. Or, or I, like can't, I don't, I don't remember. That she came up with that had no link to anything, and it's never been explained. No, that's what I and loved it makes about me think it. That Coronation Street is actually cursed by this demonic presence <laughs> that still has not been exorcised from. The You're saying it wasn't part of the script, and they just appeared in the middle of filming they and they summoned. ran with it. That um, that was no. The fact that they left it a mystery was brilliant. The way that some she of these things don't need explaining. Shrieked at the end of it like a cat, like Nyaah! she yeah. does this really amazing. Like screech, and then she's like, "I don't, I don't. What happened? I didn't, I don't know." And I think even even there's a bit when there. they yeah, Bet's there, Susie Birchall, Gail, and Elsie. Elsie are there. And Elsa, I think Elsie and Bet like they don't really know whether to believe it or not, do they? No. And, but and, there's also bits of comedy in there when they're first going quiet, and then there's clonk clonk clonking, and then yeah, there's a, like like just Stan going to Kazi, yeah. and then they have to sit and wait and wait and wait, <laughs> and then there's a toilet flush. Yeah. Brilliant, but yeah, the the honeymoon standout episode of the whole disc episode. I mean I, I would possibly say that that out of all 160 plus that we've seen that might be my favourite I and, think so too it and was... I know it's you know a bit of a cliche to say it and I was willing for it to I was ready to think oh I'm, yeah it's alright everyone says this is one of the best episodes but I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine it can't be all that but I just adored it 
Yeah, I would also say that it, they created an unintentional time capsule of of the 70s with this episode because they all the things that she she thinks are swish and posh are, are just so dated now. Yeah. Like, uh, the way that it was decorated and the fact that the she fact hadn't that, been to hot- a hotel before. And, the fact they had bedside lamps, and the way, prawn cocktails the way is that, his favourite. The way that she was so impressed by being treated nicely. And, yeah. and like there's a certain class of people in that era who would never have been or felt them, you know, never had been waited on or it just, treated it nicely It felt like they'd, they'd earned it because we'd seen yeah, 15 had. years of the Ogdens getting the, you know, the short end of the stick. And then... To have Hilda being so impressed, but being on the, like on the flip side, there's Stan who's just like oh, I just want to want to watch the football. He or literally whatever just wants to drink beer and watch the football. Watch the football, but they um, yeah. Oh, it's such a lovely room it as was well. Really, really lovely. I enjoyed it so it much. It was it was so it was romantic. It had obviously the woman Stanley woman line. That that whole thing. it was just like. Yeah, that episode leaves you with a warm feeling Stan about it. Funny. Yeah, and oh, and the very end when when Hilda is in bed singing Room Five Hundred and Four, that, that's like how, and it's just like it just it left you with such a warm, fuzzy, lovely feeling. Yeah, that that these characters, these beloved characters, were finally getting something, something nice. good. Yeah, that at the didn't same end time. up with a sting in a tail. Yeah, exactly. It didn't end with a sting. The, the sting is that Stan's not as bothered by it by Hilda, but she's she's always been the one out of the two of them that's had all the Great aspirations. aspirations yeah. Exactly. You, if you haven't seen that episode, you, you've got to. But then maybe it, it was it made such a big impression because we'd just seen you know fifteen years worth of Stan and Hilda and enjoyed them, and then for maybe for a modern viewer to go back and watch that, they wouldn't they wouldn't get it quite so much. On oh, its you own. mean not in context? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, lo- loved if you'd it, loved watched it. it. Yeah, if you watched it the first time around. Mm, mm. So that was a big episode. Uh, I said earlier on that there weren't so many big episodes that we got to and went, oh, this is the episode where such and such happens. Um, I suppose another one very soon after that which we knew was coming but couldn't remember exactly when was the one where Ernie gets shot Ernest Bishop oh which yeah which was the first murder on Coronation You've Street you got a I really think. bad habit of saying to me oh I know what's going to happen in this episode before something happens which is really dicky thing a lot of the do. time I try to avoid telling you but there, no, you don't. There, there weren't so many you tell me every time set. but um yeah that 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 was a brilliant example of soap phrase of doom, wasn't it? Because all the way through Ernie's, aren't they talking about going to Greece? Emily keeps going, oh, I'd love to go back. I'd love to go to Greece. Such a beautiful place. And, and they're she's... talking about having a wonderful life together. Yeah. Um, and, and, and how great everything and yet, is. And, and then we've got these, these these pair of intruders out in the, yeah, out in the van outside of the car outside. Shot, I think Ernest says something to Elsie along the lines of, you know what? I just think my life has turned out really well, even yeah. though it might not be exciting to some people. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And it's a total soap trope now, isn't it? But that's, that was one of the earliest examples of it that we'd seen on Coronation Street, at least. But uh, the, the actual shooting scene itself was, was OK. I mean, we've seen it on the clip show so many times. I was kind of surprised that we didn't see... It wasn't at all graphic, was it? And no, once Ernie had got shot, we didn't get to see him. He's not even on screen when he gets shot. He's, no, there's just Mike and, and everyone reacting to them. But I, although we'd seen that particular scene lots of times in the past in clip shows, I don't think we'd seen their escape scene where they're running through the factory um, where all the girls are sewing there and they, they realise they've gone the wrong way or something. So there's these two guys with a gun yeah. in, getting caught up. So I thought that was, that was quite funny. That was another episode as well that was balanced out by another Ogden... Um, comedy story, the the one where 
um, Eddie buys that colour screen to go on front of their TV. You know, the little the filter to stick over the front of it that's yeah. that's got green in the middle a and a bit blue on top. And Stan thinks it's great because it'll be it'll be able to watch the football and it'll cover the pitch green and the sky blue. And so he's dead chuffed with that. But Hill does not have any of it. No, she's like, that's rubbish right away. There was another TV story with the Ogden earlier on that I loved when they had the. Um, the TV license people were coming around. See, this was a good. This was a good example of how I think stories were constructed differently back in the day, because the, basically the TV license man comes around and we get different characters reacting in different ways to it. Like the Ogdens panic and try to get rid of their television. And Stan ends up dropping it and breaking it. They don't have. They? they don't have one. But then it turns out that Hilda has just been and bought a license. And then Annie goes, oh, come in, of course I do. <laughs> How dare you accuse me of not having one? And then she gets her paperwork out and the guy's like, you don't have, it's not in, mm. it's not in date, you're going to be fined money. And um, it's kind of like bringing her down a peg or two. But it yeah. was really interesting because... That that was like the plot of the episode, and it was how different characters reacted. And I don't think we really get unless it's a big event, like at Christmas, mm. when everybody puts their two cents in about how yeah, they feel about what happened, or like with Ollie, we or, don't or really get a story where the residents of the street react to a, an event a that's happening to everything, yeah, to everyone. No, no, I know what you mean. Uh, I'm just having a flip through notes looking for other other big episodes or, or standout episodes. And, and one that we've just seen quite recently was Fred G getting his wig, which I thought was hilarious. And it did remind me of um, Reg Holdsworth getting his toupee, which we've w- watched not too long ago on, on the ITV3 episodes. But Fred was a, a new character for the, the first half of the, the... Sorry, the second half of the 70s, wasn't he? He showed up after the warehouse fire, which maybe we can come back to in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that, that was hilarious. But... Um, Seeing them in the pre-advert break with him standing in front of the mirror, admiring himself, thinking he's looked so young, and then he goes to the bar and and nobody mentions it. No, I think well, Annie Annie mentions Annie, Annie notices it straight away, and then she sort of says to Bet like, "Oh my goodness, we can't say we've we've noticed because it would be rude because yeah. then he'll know that he didn't have her to begin with or the, something." The best the best duo is um, Rita and Mavis, and the the way that they're positioned in the bar, Rita's looking oh, straight. That at was really good. Fred and Ma- Mavis has got her back to it, and Rita's saying, "Don't look behind you." And Mavis has a immediately whips round. her head round, and then Rita says, "No, be subtle like I am." Yeah, she's, she's just that gorgeous with eyes as big as saucers. And then of course it's Uncle Albert that comes in and just kind of yeah, asks him straight. <laughs> that was that was a that was a great. Uh, that was really episode. funny. Yeah. But then they all make fun of him, and I did feel a bit bad for him. Yeah. What did you? What was your first impressions of Fred? Because he was a character that you had sort of no like, prior oh, knowledge he's this of. Guy, he's all he's all right. That's it. He's an all right character. I think they just wanted a man in there because they didn't have one. Yeah. As as the the years got went on, I kind of enjoyed him more. Yeah. The, the other big episode for him was that one where he has to collect. Um, Annie Walker from the airport, doesn't he? But um, why can't he can't he, do it because he, the rover is is the rover stolen or something? I can't remember. But he has to go in so. Len's van, and she's met this she's, yeah. snooty other woman on the plane. Like, oh, I'll like, oh. give you a lift with my chauffeur. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, rocks Frederick. up in a rocks up in a van and says, "Oh, there ain't room for both of you." Yeah. <laughs> and the lady's like, "I think I'll get a taxi, but thank you so much." Fred's there just literally to be the whipping boy for all the other women who work at yeah. the rovers, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, it was interesting how he originated from this um, Mark Britton warehouse fire, which I thought was a quite a fun episode. 
Um, yeah, so that... Well, not, we, maybe fun's not the right word. Mem- a memorable episode. We didn't... Th- we watched it on the on YouTube. Did the lead the, up the pre- to it, yeah. The previous episode. And... Um, that was, the, that was they, just about these tearaway teens on the street that, that Ken knows and he's telling them off and they're, they're just causing havoc, really, aren't they? Yeah, but then we have the fire aftermath on, on, the, sh- on the street and Emily and Ernest are just there at, at the school trying to make everybody sandwiches and, and like make a rallying point and stuff. But unfortunately for them, they don't have any alcohol. The nearest pub, which is, for some reason is the New Old Inn, Mm. Um, it, it takes everybody in and so they all kind of decamp there and start boozing and eating food yeah um, and um, that was a, that was an episode what, what, one of the things I liked about that episode was the mystery about what had happened to Edna G who we'd seen yeah. snippets of in previous episodes but not yeah. very much at all because it? Fred yeah they're like oh she's missing and then somebody said don't worry I saw her get on a, on a bus yeah and then they're like, okay, she must be fine then. And then, um, yeah, but it turns out gradually we find out that she was one of the people who died. Mm. And Fred it's, G it, is the. It, her it reminded me a little bit out. of um, Ida Barlow's death episode, kind of, in that there was a, yeah. a little bit of I mystery. Like they didn't yeah. spell it out straight away. Yeah. That was also maybe the first proper um, appearance that we saw of Ivy. I think she'd she'd been on screen a bit before. Yeah, it was, we um, hadn't. But she seen was there her. as a as a grieving friend of Edna's, wasn't yeah. she? And it's been very interesting, I think, to have seen the evolution of Ivy just over the course of, what, three, four years? Because I would say she's a very different character now in 1979 to how she was back in the mid to early 70s. I'll tell you one thing I will say, and that is a group of people who have never changed, and that is factory girls. Mm. Anyone who works at the factory immediately turns into a clucking hen when put into a group. Whenever it's suitable, whenever the the writers just want a group of, of women to stand around in a gaggle and harass people, just factory girls just turn up and start cooing away. Because she was one of those when she, she was. first started we, along yeah, with we, we, Vera. There was a couple of scenes with Vera, haven't there, where she's just, yeah, like They're all just in a group collective naughty. and gossiping and being frivolous and, and silly and empty-headed a little bit, I think. But, and I think that that's how, they, that's how Corrie puts them throughout the decades just the factory girls just as a collective yeah just turn into people there to girls. wind up the bosses yeah but ivy seemed to have a, a massive transformation in 1979 brought about by gail going out with um brian her son brian didn't she because she immediately became the ivy that i adored from the late 80s early 90s episodes that i've seen where she was very straight laced very moralistic very catholic um very protective of her son Brian. Nothing. No one's good enough for him. Brian was and, such and a f- bit of a, um, a an obstacle in Gail's path, which is what she was up until you know when she died. Brian was such a funny character to me because he's like he is just like the quintessential seventies hunk, mm. like this big cloud of like hair, yeah, fluffy hair with a fringe, like jaw length. He's got a massive chiselled jaw, yeah, and he's got a big big smile but he is just a hunk of meat i don't know anything about him i don't think gail knows anything about him either oh gosh flowers just fallen over i think that was my fault i don't think gail knows anything about him other than he is just really hunky yeah, basically. And uh, I that, think... And, uh, yeah, is he a mechanic at the moment? I, can't, I, I don't know. He's he's there. He just looks to me like a footballer. The, he's the, the forbidden fruit for Gail as well, isn't he? Because Ivy's being so obstinate and 
and and we ha- we had her there um, engagement party that we saw, which Ivy refuses to go to. I'm surprised that she her objection wasn't that Gail is not a Catholic. Yeah, we didn't see any um, mention of that, did we? And even the wedding itself, which was written by no, sorry, directed by current Curry writer Ellen Taylor's father, that seemed to be in a CV church as well. Which I'm really surprised because. Maybe there was more in other episodes. My Catholic neighbour wouldn't even go to my granddad's funeral because she said she wasn't allowed to. So mm. maybe they just thought, we're not touching this with a barge pole. Maybe. Although because there was I wouldn't want to get involved in Catholics versus Protestants in the, the 70s. But they did mention it with um, Conceptor and Harry's wedding in the 60s, didn't they? That was a bit of a, a thing. Yeah. I think things get slightly more contentious and the, the further along you go mm. in... in uh, yeah, but I, I really enjoyed that wedding. A lot of the script, especially in the second half of the episode, was made up of just standard wedding vows, wasn't it? But it was shot very, very nicely. There was lots of fades, lots of soft focus, lots yeah. of... Um, it was very romantic. Gail looked lovely. As though, Susie Birchill looked like a mess. I thought as though... I felt as though they were really heavily invested in yeah. us buying these two as as like love's young dream. Far more than I really felt before I watched the episode. And it was always slightly jarring when a couple gets a massive a massive wedding when you don't really care about mm. them. And um, I mean, they, they, they had been together for a year up in, uh, at this point. Um, so I guess, and we'd only seen a, a small snippet of that. So I guess the viewers at the time were a bit more invested in them. But it did seem quite quick. Well, I also think that Gail, Gail was... Um, a bit of a dolly bird, a bit of a, you know, mm. like she, she was the totty, wasn't she? She, she was, was the young girl totty. Same, same with Deirdre. And for both of those, I would say that in the sec- over the course of the second half of the 70s, their characters matured a lot more and they became but, more than just that. But also Brian was the, was the male equivalent. Yeah. And so I think they just went, look at these two hot young people, let's get them together. Mm. By the end of the 70s, there were barely any young um, there were no, there were no single left. young characters left on the street after the wedding. No, because I uh, didn't. I can't remember what you read on Corypedia now. Because there was Susie Birchall and Steve Fisher left, wasn't there? But I but think they, they, left. they they both buggered off, and and we weren't particularly sad about Steve, that. That was the last those... time we saw Steve Fisher was at that wedding. Yeah, yeah. Neither of those characters made any impression of us at all. Not particularly. Speaking of quick weddings. Um, Deirdre and Ray early on in the 70s because we we saw the a bit of a blossoming relationship between Deirdre and Billy, didn't we? Billy Walker at first, who's been another character that's been very sporadic in his appearances. And that was all to do Wasn't with... Wasn't there a weird behind-the-scenes yeah, thing? The, the behind-the-scenes thing with that was that um, uh, the actor who played Billy and uh, Ken Farrington, was that or was that who played? Yeah. Yeah, um, he um, his contract was running out, and he and he wanted to or he wanted to leave the show, and but the but Coronation Street had made a mistake, or they hadn't realised, and and they were invested in That's him and right. Deirdre yeah. being together. It, it basically, and, they were saying, "Oh, you're going to get married," and he's like, "I'm oh, sorry, I've only got two weeks left on my contract, and I'm going." Yeah, it was yeah that that's it. So <laughs> then they had to very quickly. Um, rewrite, get her, it. rewrite it to have her marry Ray, who she'd hang around with a little bit before, but as we were. You know, only watching the odd episode here and there. You had one episode where she was getting out with Billy, and the next episode she's getting ready to marry Ray. So she, that was that was done in super quick time. To Blanche about how she didn't know who to marry and everything. And it's like, 
And she and every single time she picks somebody, she always goes, oh, ma'am, I know it in my heart. He's the right one for me. And then five minutes later, she's like, oh, ma'am, but I really think I like mm. Ray now. And now she's like, oh, I don't know whether it's Ken or who's the other one. It, it's Billy that is back to Billy again, oh, isn't it? Yeah. And, and Emily's like, hmm, you should really go out with Kenneth. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would say that at the beginning of this, 1975 land, she was just a bit of a dolly bird, but she definitely... Like I said, she matured as Did as an actress you? and as a character. I think the one of the first times that I was really, really impressed by Deirdre was in the episode where she confronts Ray over his affair with uh, Janice and, and stands up to him and she, she throws him out and she doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. She refuses to go to Holland. Um, and I, and I, I'm hoping that now as we go through to the 80s and we're still a few years away from the, the love triangle with Ken and Mike, I just, I just thinking at the time she, she still didn't really impress me until just recently. I found it quite jarring the way that Ray left the show mm. because he was like at the beginning of this of this like bit of episodes we've got here. He was very much Ray and Len, like the the men of the street. Like yeah. we're gonna beat up those yobbos that that threatened Mrs. Walker and give, give them a good hiding. And we like boozing and birds and smoking and standing around and whatever. I don't know if they smoke actually. Um, oh, and, well, everybody smoked in the seventies. I think it's more notable too. if you don't smoke than yeah. if you do. Um, but then, but then he sort of turned into Deirdre's lousy husband. I never really liked Ray I before. Do, I Deirdre like Ray came more along. than you do, and I really and like Ray and Len together. And then suddenly yeah, he she he's, he he has an affair with that woman, and then basically it's, it's turned he has out a haircut. <laughs> it's Deirdre's fault because she won't oh, yeah. forgive him, and then he buggers off, and and then that's the end of him. It just felt really strange to me that I felt a bit like he got sacrificed for Deirdre as a mm. character, but I don't know whether there was a casting reason i don't know but yeah. um that was re- that was another really good example the same thing with val-, val when in the 60s when the house caught on fire because ken was supposed to be looking after the kids and he buggered off down down the pub to, to, to buy cigarettes, cigarettes. and then and then the house nearly burned down and everyone kept saying Val why did you let your husband take care of the children this is all your fault mm. and literally she was being blamed by everybody and she was just defending herself not saying hang on a minute <laughs> but this was the same thing with this and De- with this and Deirdre people kept saying to her um you know you should you should take him back in everything and yeah yeah. But she said no, she couldn't. He he basically decided to move to Holland, and she said she was going to go, and then she changed her mind. Mm. But this is at this point she's got Tracy, hasn't she? Yes, Tracy gets born Tracy's in the beginning born. of nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah, um, which was you know that wasn't that one of the this one of the great. first births on the street. I know we don't Peter and Susan beforehand. I but. have to say I did enjoy these scenes because it gives you a bit of an insight into what it was like to be a mother or have the birthing experience in in these eras so we we had Val who had complications and basically had to sit in bed and the same thing happened with um Deirdre she was basically tucked up in bed wasn't she yeah. waiting for her baby to come because I, I guess both women had complications but I think it is notable that that was 
it, it seemed to be like this is a very medical like you know you you have a you have an illness you're you're pregnant you yeah. have to be tucked up in bed and taken care of by the by the nurse and there yeah. was a there was another lady in there yeah there was a m- in, morose in the, lady in the bed in next the ward to her, yeah. and um, Blanche sort of rocks up and I just I just found it fascinating the different mm. attitudes that we have. Yeah, it was always nice to see Blanche to turn up, but she was definitely more of a bit part as the years went on, wasn't she? Because she ends up going back down to, uh, or going, yeah, down to Kenilworth with Dave Smith. And that's almost the last we see of her until, I, I, get, I don't know even whether she appears in the 80s or not, I can't remember, but it's the 90s when she makes her big comeback. But it was, it was so lovely to see early Blanche. Speaking of Tracy as well, the other big episode, I'm, I'm thinking when we got to it, it's like, oh, it's this episode, was the um, Rover's lorry crash in, well, the, the, the lo- when the lorry crashed into the Rovers. And the episode that was on the DVD was the one that led up to it. Now, we had on the 60s DVDs a couple of episodes where they would show two subsequent episodes. They'd have, like, one ending with some disaster, like when the tram comes through the viaduct, and then they'd show the follow-up episode. But this on the DVD, they only showed the, the pre lorry crash which was a weird choice so we had to watch the what the the follow-up on youtube but just before we go on to the the actual crash itself the pre-episode was hilarious because that was the one where the cafe had the mouse this was a really great this was like a really great proto quintessential template episode of 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 coronation street where you have comedy and drama and you have a, a big kind of finale at the end that's dramatic and sweeping and changes everyone's lives. Mm. But the setup for it is very much humdrum domestic life. But hilarious. Because, Ed, because it. it was another Eddie Yates episode. Yeah, so basically, we've got Dawson's Cafe now, which we haven't mentioned. So that's this appeared was a new out. Development. It's opposite the cabin, isn't it? Remember, the cabin used to be in Rosamond Street. Yeah. And it was really funny seeing Dawson's Cafe because. The architecture of it inside, is that the right word, is very similar to uh, or how it is even in the early 90s when it when it's Jim's Cafe. I recognise yeah. like, the arches and everything. But there's a, like a bakery wall it's at the bakery, back, isn't it? And Emily's in charge of it, it's which I don't think I knew. Yeah, so, so she's there. Gail and Emily both work in this mm. bakery cafe place. And they've got a mouse. So they're trying to get rid of the mouse. And Eddie keeps coming up with ideas and they keep going oh no that's terrible and cruel like he brings a trapper and they're like no we don't want it and then well, they... no, i think there'd been a trap that had been set the previous day and then it, they come in oh, in the morning right. and, it's been, and it's been gone off and they're like how did this happen why is there no dead mouse and didn't gail, gail say that she snuck in yeah. halfway to they, but, and, and both of them admit night, that they I were mean. lying they were lying awake all night just thinking of that poor mouse yeah and then yeah that's when eddie then eddie, brings, brings eddie the goes cat. right i'll bring a cat in and i love i just love how he always knows a man who yeah. has some who who can solve, solve this the problem, problem in some way? Yeah. and he's like, listen here, he, he wants this much money for it, and blah blah blah. blah. He's always got these concocting these schemes. So he brings them out the the cat in to catch the mouse, and they're like, oh no, it's really cruel. So he just sort of goes off in a half. Then they, they put the trap back the down again. Oh, that's brilliant. And then suddenly the trap goes off. And Gail's like, oh no, oh no, the and mouse. The camera, and then the camera, like, uh, yeah, camera on Emily. Emily has to go and look, and she's clutching her breast with her hand, and she's got her chin in the air, and her eyes are half closed, and she sort of gingerly walks across and, and kind of casts her eyes down quickly to yeah. see this. And then they have poor, to sweep it up in the uh, dustpan and brush. She says, I'll, oh, yeah, I'll sweep it up, and she just kind of like gets this little mouse corpse. We don't see the body, but um, I just. 
This was wonderful. Another example of Eileen Derbyshire comedy gold. She was so great when she, she got given... It didn't is, happen very much, but whenever why, she was given it, she was ace. That's why it's such a treat, because it's so few and far between these moments yeah. of, of Emily, Emily's com- comedic side. But I just absolutely adored her. Well, that and, and then yeah. So then the end of the episode is when Deirdre, totally neglectful parenting. To be fair, she's got she's got this kid and uh, Tracy in the in the buggy. Wasn't leaves this, it outside? No, but listen, wasn't this this crazy woman? She yeah. had a crazy woman who kept kept saying, "Oh, I lo- oh, well, let me buy Tracy this. Let me give Tracy that." Yeah, and um. She's like, let me walk, tra- let me push Tracy's push chair and everything. Yeah. And and then she says, oh, um, right, I've got to go now. I've got to go into the Rovers to get something. Puts the push chair outside and goes inside. I don't think this was neglectful parenting. I just think this was how it was. I, no, I, I agree. But looking back on it now, it's like, dear G, you've just left your, you know, how old is she? Two-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old kid outside a pub for a fairly decent amount of time. She goes into the back of the Rovers to see Annie about some knitting yeah. patterns or something That's like right. this. You don't need a knitting pattern. And, and then we hear dead. this awful crash as the lorry comes through. And, and again, it's clips we'd all seen before, but it was nice to see it in the context. Yeah, the, um, a, a, and that a was lorry an... that's carrying timber, yeah, uh, aka a rubble lorry, smashes into the mm. rovers and leaves rubble everywhere. And yeah. then, and then the next thing we see is um, Deirdre in leaning out of the door of the rovers, Tracy, Tracy, just shrieking, Tracy, 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 about five hundred times, picking up bits of wood and throwing them around. Yeah, she, she, uh, she, Anne did a fantastic job acting wise in that episode. Uh, she because she ends up going back to. Is it number three or number one? I think it's number three with um, Ina and Emily where she's comforted, but she's totally zoned out. She's just and there, she, just like she my baby She kind of zombies head. through the ginnel at the end of the episode, doesn't she? So because she's we never, convinced that Tracy's dead. We never really got to the bottom of this, but I, am I guessing that the woman... I think I think crazy woman steals her, yeah. And then... Yeah. Um, that, that was a, that I really was a great loved episode. this bit as well when... So... so, so the the emergency services turn up and you've got all the firemen in their lovely old uniforms and, in, and one of the the leaders got big red rubber gloves on for no apparent reason. Oh yeah. And and the policemen are there and the ambulance turns up and it's like a van with a stretcher in the back, and um, they're all sort of like picking rubble up and searching for this baby. And then at one point the fireman says to one of the the standard the the bystanders like she does have a baby doesn't she? Yeah. Like is it like not just one of these like we've always got crazy, crazy women <laughs> screaming about babies? So I just need to check she she has actually got a baby, and they're like yeah yeah yeah. But a few times I think they're like there's no baby here. Yeah, I know, I know, it's funny. Um, but it was quite it was quite horrible to imagine what that would have been like yeah. if there had actually been a dead baby underneath all of that. I know, I know. We had to wait another what fifty years for there to be a dead baby storyline on Coronation Street. Well, Although no, actually, one of those... I can think of another dead baby in the late nineties. Well, that's for another if they'd time. had one of those silver cross prams, I think that's what they're called, the really, really posh, like, royalty use, you know, those old-fashioned, when you draw a pram, you draw this, you mm. know, like, with the little yeah. bassinet and the little hood over the top. I yeah, think yeah, those yeah. are, like, built like tanks. <laughs> she should have had one of them. Yeah. Um, what else did we have? We had Rita and Len getting married. Oh, you said they, they had a decent relationship, but it was it was still fraught. It was very tumultuous, and I yeah, think yeah, and because that... there was still the the shadow of Elsie looming <laughs> yeah. over Len. Although she she disappears for a bit, doesn't she? And she comes back in a wonderful episode, actually. This where um, 
there's a bit of a mystery about who it is because Len's got a phone call at the beginning of the episode and he's preparing the house for somebody to return, isn't he? And, yeah. and he gets Hilda to clean up and obviously there's a massive gossip. Hilda wants to know who he's welcoming back and there's a bit where she's listening at the door um, and then it turns out that it's Elsie and she strides down the street with uh, Ina's uh, twitch in the, the curtains opposite. And um, yeah, that that was great. But I can't remember much about Len and Rita's wedding itself particularly how whether well, it stood out for we me. know we know that elsie was oh his i've just found i've just found my notes there there was a great line where elsie wears a particular dress and annie says oh oh i like that dress i've always liked it like digging in the fact that elsie has worn this dress before at Rita's oh yeah wedding. that's right that yeah funny. um yeah this was another one where it seemed like the theme of the 70s was Elsie getting invited to weddings and not going for some particular reason mm. or another. And she was ill, wasn't she, on the day that they... Yeah, maybe it wasn't Elsie that Annie said that about the dress to. Maybe it was somebody else, I can't remember. Because you're right, she was ill, supposedly, for the day that the episode was filmed, which they'd already done the publicity shoots for the photo for the TV Times a few weeks before, and then they had to edit her out afterwards. But this, wasn't this the day that she got... No, this was her birthday... On her birthday was when she got her the letter from Alan saying he wanted a divorce yeah. and she was yeah. morose all day. But I was going to say, the spectre of Elsie haunted Len and Rita's wed, um, marriage yeah. all the way to the end of 1979, on New Year's Eve, no, no less, when Rita is still complaining, I loved her for this, to Len that he didn't get her a good present. He bought her a box of chocolates for her, for a Christmas present. Mm. And she's moaning and moaning. She wants a bracelet. And he promises to get her one. And then he doesn't because he was busy working all day. And he says, I'll get it for you later. And she brings even brings Elsie up in this saying, Elsie was saying, oh, where's your... Because I think she lied and told everybody that he had got her a bracelet, but he hadn't yet. And um, she mentioned something about Elsie making a dig about her not having a good present. Mm. So you can tell that... Elsie is always in the back of her mind and she's always probably thinking Len and Elsie I'm second best or would they have been better off together or you know what I mean like yeah. Elsie thinks that she should be married to Len yeah yeah <clears throat> speaking of um of Rita and chocolates there was also that episode recently oh, where Derek ends up convincing was it I can't remember who convinces Rita or Mavis, Mavis and Rini to buy a job lot of um chocolates. no 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 it was Mavis both times he. This is the proto Mavis and Derek relationship, where yeah. where that neither of them are particular. I'll explain it in a minute. Okay. Neither of them are particularly. I'm it wrong. As they end up, they're not as strong characters, and the relationship is still very much in its infancy. So they're both really wet blankets at mm. this point. So Derek is this kind of ghost of a man who is enthralled to his mother. Oh yeah, lives with his mum. Yeah. And um, Mavis is obviously this like bird woman who who is bullied constantly by Rita. She really is. So um, he he's a traveling he appears to me to be a traveling salesman whose job it was to shift a bunch of what they keep calling chocolate novelties mm. which is hilarious for easter oh and yeah that's she, right. it's easter, wasn't it? she is working she works in in the cabin as the shopkeeper but she also took a shift at the shop for Rini to cover for oh, her. Was I missed that. So no, they only mentioned it in passing. We didn't get to see this happening. Mm. So so in her in her role as both of these, um, she bought loads and loads and loads of chocolates from Derek so that he could win a prize 
um, under the understanding that she would perhaps share in or even get this prize and he would get the kudos with work for being such a great salesman. But then it turned out that it was a canteen of cutlery and he promised it to his mother. And then Rita got really mad about the fact that she bought what she called these chocolate catastrophes and she couldn't shift them. She tries to give them to Ken. Ken... Br- Ken is Ken's like a sucker and says, yeah, I'll buy them for the kids. And then Rini tells him that she's also got the same amount of these horrible chocolate things. And she'll she and, and the reason that Rita gave him a deal was because she's got to shift him too and undercuts her. So Ken buys it off of Rini mm. instead of Rita. But Rita keeps saying to Rini, um to Mavis, you have been conned by this idiot man and he's not even going to give you the, the the prize. You should stand up for yourself. And she keeps bringing it up every single time. He's he's there, Mavis is there, or chocolates get mentioned, cutlery gets mentioned. Immediately she's mentioning how annoyed she is at, at be, Mavis being treated like a doormat. Because apparently it's okay when she does it, but not when <laughs> Derek does it. And then um, <laughs> Derek then promises to give the he, well he gives the, he gives, he gives a, one of the episodes ends with her sitting there on her sofa and looking through this going oh fish knives kind of, yeah. and then and then he takes it back and gives it to his mum yeah brilliant uh, I, how, are you enjoying the David and Mavis because we were really invested in Mavis and Jerry weren't we which was yeah. sadly cut short what, 76, 77 or something when Graham Haberfield died unexpectedly was it this half of the 70s? it was it was at the beginning of this at the beginning of this stint of episodes um uh, Jerry was alive and kicking, and uh, I miss Jerry. I, I really, really miss Jerry. He was a wonderful character, and that that relationship between him and Mavis oh, yeah. was so sweet. They were made for each other. Whereas Mar- Mavis and Derek, although I say that, that they are made for each other as well, he really did treat her badly. But I guess she's so used to being treated badly by Rita that she just put up with it. Thing is, Derek seems to be a man who has lived his life trying to please women and the most important woman in his life is still his mother mm. and that ain't going to cut it for anybody coming after trying to step into her footprints mm. but um yeah but that's uh it takes a long time for Derek to get Mavis up the aisle so I, I'm still enjoying this this courtship um yeah even though I, if I was if I was Rita I would be totally if I was yeah if I was there I'd totally be agreeing with Rita saying that Mavis you need to see this guy off because he's not good for you um what else did we there have was, there was so so we say at the end of the 70s rita and len are married yes and not not necessarily happily because i i really enjoyed the the new year's eve 1979 episode when um she's still mad at him he hasn't bought her a bracelet even though he promised she gets a phone call from somebody saying come and sing at my club Len's like, don't worry, love, we've got, I'm going to take you out on the town. No word of mine's going to be singing. I'm going to show you a good time to make up for it. Then they realise that they don't actually have tickets for this place. And Len didn't realise that you needed them. So they end up at the Rovers. And Rita's there in like a fur coat and like a gorgeous mm. frou-frou dress with a lovely halter neck thing. And she's standing there looking like an idiot, all dressed up to the nines yeah. uh, with her stupid husband. And But at the beginning of the of this in 1975, Len and Bet were dating, and mm. Bet kind of wanted to to make it in, into a more serious uh, relationship. So they go back to the flat together, and she's like, "Let's move in," and she, he refuses. 
And she had still had this flatmate, which is Carlos, which as Carlos, you might remember, I can't believe how long he stuck around. Was played by Malcolm Hebden, who's Norris on. on we saw we see like was, four or five episodes with Carlos. He then. was also trying to date Mavis as well, so he could get permanent residency. In, yeah, in the UK, right. but um, he he eventually leaves. Yeah, but, no, Beck but this gets was some like, really good character um, development in in the second well, half of the seventies. She's very fully rounded the, at this point. In the first half of the seventies and. Her first half of the 70s was her starting off as sort of a hopeful romantic. Wearing awful brown dresses. And then I think she, she turns into a bit of a man-eater after Len rejects her because she, she really just wanted to settle down with a bloke. Mm. Well, that's, her her strongest episode, I would say, was when she finds out that this secret son of hers has died um, and um, she she has this... She she has this long speech about how nobody really knows who the real bet is, and and Eddie ends up stopping her from overdosing, doesn't he? Because he's got a, he's holding a bit of a torch for Bet. Yeah, um, that's right. And and yeah, and she she finds out from this this guy well, one of the that was first... a friend of uh, of her son that that he's died, and he was played by Alan Igbon, who goes on to play the very first Tony Stewart. Yes, fact fans. Yeah, um, yeah. So she gets very morose, and she's she mm. feels sad, and I think. Isn't there a scene where all the ladies get together and say that they're going to try to get men? At the end of 1975, they they say it's New Year, we're going to have a leap Leap year, year. so we can propose to men. So they all get together in the back of the Rovers. And this is a conceptor, now Reagan, used to be Riley, Mm. used to be... Hewitt. Hewitt. Gets together in the back room of the Rovers. Anyone who's not not a... Anyone who's not a single woman gets kicked out, basically. Mm. And they band together and they're like, right, I'm going after him. You can't go after him. And they kind of divvy the men out. That was fun. That was really quite funny. Yeah. Um, so, so she's kind of like, she turns into a, a romantic then. But I think by the end of the, the 70s, just nothing's panned out for her. Mm. She's very mm. bitter. She is starting now at the end of 1979 to look very much to me like Bet did... When I have seen her yes, in clips, I agree. Now I've not, I've seen some very famous bits of of, of um, clips of her where I don't feel like she's exactly she's she's more bitter, but she's more so more powerful. Whereas at the end of the seventies, she's just a barmaid who can't get a man. Yeah, and she's getting older, and she's getting she's lo- she thinks she's losing her looks. Yeah, and she's starting to 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 become a bit more. Well, she's always been incredibly bombastic in her appearances but um she really does have a character arc and i think that she's got one of the most interesting ones and i don't know whether it's just because i know she turns into an iconic character but i do she's, think she's there on are some, her way by the end of the seventh there are some characters who are interested because they're set in stone and fixed and annie walker's one of those people no matter what happens to her she's always annie walker mm. and so is hilda but i think that bet is a, is a, a malleable according to the circumstances she goes goes through. And if, if I was going to liken her to another character who has an arc, I would say Carla Connor in, in Current Corrie has had an arc, not necessarily one that I've enjoyed to watch because I feel as though, you know, she's gone down in, in status mm. because of um, her trials and tribulations. But it's interesting to watch these yeah. characters some yeah. of them change some of them don't what you were saying about bet kind of worrying that she's starting to get on a bit and she hasn't found a man and her life's not panned out the way she wanted it to be we're, we're also seeing that with elsie aren't we 
and and she Elsie. she's mm. one of the characters that I feel has gone off the boil and she she went away for a bit and since she's come back I've not quite enjoyed her in quite the same way I just don't think she's had any stories she just seems to be entertaining Gail, uh, Gail and, and Susie. Susie in her in her house and she's become like the the elderly spinster aunt who mm. kind of smiles benevolent uh, what is what was the word i'm looking for Benev- benevolently at their antics and sort of counsels yeah. them with a fag and then in her she's mouth. shouting at people in the factory because she she goes on to get the supervisor's job there she's just not she's just not as fun anymore i just it's don't think shame. we've seen very many good episodes with elsie in them yeah but there's, she feels like... There's no Linda or, or Dennis around anymore. She feels like a secondary Lens character, the, not a main character. Yeah, it, it's it's a real shame what's happened to her. And the, the same with uh, Ina Sharples. I I adored Ina Sharples at the beginning, but and, and almost every scene with Ina Sharples you knew was going to be a classic. And now she's... I know she's that Vicarstam was getting on a bit, but she's she's not the same. To me, she's just an old woman. I have to say that there were three characters who who I feel had uh, uh, three characters were affected by the medical issues of the actors who played them. Mm. So sadly, Jerry Booth died because the actor died of a stroke at a very young age. And also... um, Bernard Dewins had Bernard a stroke, Dewins. didn't he? And he came back and you he could tell he came back too he soon. He was difficult to understand and he, he looked sick. Yeah. And the he, same with Violet Carson, who plays Ina Sharples. Yeah. She had a stroke as well and she came back and she also um, was battling health issues. And I, you know, I, you say that maybe the same thing happened with Annie Walker, but it's really sad when this happens and there's nothing anybody can do. Mm. And, um, you know, you have to salute the actors for clearly working against these and actually yeah. Minnie Caldwell I was going to say Minnie as by, well um, um, I've forgotten the name of the person that, was that Margot Margot yeah Brian That's, is that right I or don't is... know what her surname is or am I, I'm, not, I'm not confusing her with I might be confusing her with Martha Longhurst I can't remember but anyway yeah she she oh. she disappeared didn't she we didn't get to see Minnie's final episode there was one where Handel Gartside comes back who's the guy that she goes off with to to collect her stuff and you know decatify number five coronation street yeah and, she can't, and that's it's kind the of like end she's died because everything all of her stuff's being given out to people but um she sorry she basically left the show because she she she's too she old she couldn't remember her lines remember. yeah margot bright margot bright you just did a bit of an ipad search she couldn't she was like having to write things down and mm. she but couldn't remember she was she another was one who we love love loved early on in the 60s but you could tell by the time of her final episode she wasn't quite she wasn't at the top of her game anymore was she there's so a few sad. nice things like in the in the post warehouse fire and she was there with bobby and giving, giving him, him some milk and stuff she was she was nice. I, I still I I didn't stop loving Minnie and I miss her and and I think now that Ina's basically on her own, she's missing something. There was a tell you what there was a scene. I think actually it was in the in the Year's Eve scene when she and Elsie were both sitting mm, at a table together like, drinking. You're like you guys don't like each enemies. other. <laughs> but it was yeah. I guess it was kind of sweet. I don't know how to feel about it. It was nice to see them burying the hatchets, but I did feel like. The writers were saying, well, Ina needs somebody to bounce off of. I mean, what's wrong with Albert Tatlock? Yeah. Albert Tatlock's still not 
particularly done much for me. The, my, my, I think my favourite Albert Tatlock scene was yet another Stan and Eddie caper where he persuades them to go to his allotment because there's some buried treasure there and, and Eddie's latest thing that he's got his hand on is a metal detector. So Albert tricks them into going there to basically dig up his, his allotment. Interesting. Yeah. But we also saw Albert's, was it his 80th birthday party? That was one that was recommended by Coropedia. We watched it on YouTube and I didn't go much on it. They had I a street party it. for they, him and they had invited some of his old friends. They all went friends. round and had a sing-song and it felt very, very um, nostalgic for the for the 60s when you'd have a sing-song around the piano. And if you notice, they're doing that less and less as time goes on. Mm. They're not mm. having the sing-songs around the piano yeah. anymore. So on the subject of other characters that left during the second half of the 70s, I think we've covered most of them. Uh, oh, the, the Hopkins, Hopkins family. Yeah, they made a, a quick very, departure, didn't they? We mentioned them in the first half of the 70s because they I was had su- their scheme that didn't work. I was surprised how quickly they went. And even Trisha, who stayed on for a bit longer, didn't really stay very long or make much really... of an impact on me. I was really expecting Trisha to make more of an impact on me because I know that she was one of Gail's little... Girl pals. Yeah. Gail, Gail, Gail Potter was the main sort of young hot young thing of the street. With Deirdre, I guess, and maybe Bet a little bit. But she was the main one. And she had her two little friends, didn't she? Trisha and then Susie. First Trisha, then Susie, yeah. And both of those characters were really just introduced to be Gail's friends. Mm. And then when she got married, they, they were no longer needed. Yeah. Susie's... Susie had a couple of memorable moments, but they weren't classics. One of them was when she dropped a brick down Elsie's chimney, or she thought she was dropping she was a brick to clean down Elsie's chimney to try and yeah, clean it, but then it ends up accidentally dropping it down number 13 and, and stands there, gets a big face full of smoke, and then it covers oh, it the Muriel, doesn't it? It goes over his food as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, and it's, it holds like, oh, my Muriel has turned into a slag heap. Yeah. And then, and then she has to then replace the mural with the, the more iconic um, second one, doesn't she? With the lake scene. Yeah. Yeah. And then also there was a she bit gets where a foot through a she puts a foot through um, Elsie's ceiling. No, yeah. Hilda's, Hilda's ceiling, ceiling. Because she's up in the attic and then she puts a foot through. Mm. And then Hilda gets revenge and puts her foot through. Oh yeah, that was a funny part of the episode, wasn't it? At the end of it, Hilda goes up to the attics and, and shoves a broom or something through Elsie's ceiling for revenge. Uh, yeah, because because Elsie and... Elsa, the, yeah, they were neighbours from hell. I mean, if you think... Hilda's never liked Elsie. She she's always thought of herself as being more morally upstanding than Elsie was. Even when she first came in, she was the one shrieking out the window when they were having it. Mm. Ina and Elsie were having a fight. But if you were to think he would be the nightmare neighbours out of those two, you would never think it would be Elsie. But she was a really a pain in the ass. She was. She was totally talking about Hilda shrieking. That's reminding me of another funny thing that I remember when um the episode where. Was it Albert and Stan get locked in the Rover's cellar? Yeah, and, they did. And Hilda doesn't know where they are. That was hilarious. And they're like, and Hil- literally, within seconds, they're like, well, we've got to drink all the alcohol. Mm. Um, Stan's like, when do you ever get an opportunity like this? We've got to drink the, all of this alcohol. Stan was otherwise so, we won't. so good. How will we make it through the night without sustenance? And Albert's like, uh, all but right, get me one Hilda of those. gets the idea in her head that he's off seeing some floozy down Inkerman Street or something, doesn't yeah. she? And she shouts up at the, at the window of this woman who is yeah, innocent in this case. And then she, um, and then there's these two, there's this couple snogging in the alley behind her and, and Hilda's mortified that she's shown herself up in front of this young couple. And she's like, nice night for it or something, doesn't she, to them? Oh, like, oh so, so funny. So they, they were the absolute highlight of the 70s and the 60s and beyond, actually. The, the Ogdens. 
don't ever let you down. Right up there. They, they, really they don't. do not. They they don't miss a beat, the Ogdens. And, and you would think that adding Eddie into the equation wouldn't work. It's what, he's almost like the replacement for Irma, wasn't he? Is the third wheel true. in this yeah, relationship. True. But yeah. he fits in so, so perfectly. He's fantastic. The, he's so he's the, warm the smart, and lovely. The smart one, but and still gets them into so many scrapes. Yeah. Just, just brilliant. Can we talk about who we didn't like? Oh, what? Are you thinking Irene Bradshaw <laughs> as the new name for the I Sevenses? I absolutely hated Irene Bradshaw. I still hate her. She's so annoying. She just feels like an imposter. I don't know what she's for. Yeah. She's so just With With Maggie, Maggie Clegg in charge of the shop. I mean, I, I, I liked it when they had David and Irma in charge of the corner shop. And then Maggie Clegg comes and takes over and like, okay, fine. I, I, I never really I'm, got to love her, but I, I didn't mind I'm her. I'm a Flory Lindley girl. <laughs> through and through. But, but, but yeah Rini Bradshaw just, just I think it's because she's totally got a slightly doesn't work for me. she's got a slightly shrill voice she she looks a bit too close to Deirdre she looks she like, like Deirdre Imposter. it's she so does. mean I don't want to be horrible about people's appearances but she she just is just sharp she she tries to be nice but she, I find it insipid I don't she's, know what her personality is. I don't know what else sees in her particularly because she, we didn't get to see they, a whole lot of their courtship. They get married, don't they? Yeah. And she, they have this... Um, the wedding's interesting because we get to meet her parents. Oh, and her yeah, her dad like, was a massive ass, wasn't he? No, that was her stepdad. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Her mum's like, like a normal simpering, oh, you can never live, wonderful, my daughter married. Oh. And then he's like, hey, how much money do you earn, Alf, and all this yeah. stuff? he was quite an interesting and she character. Doesn't, she clearly doesn't like this guy. And that was the most interesting she's ever been yeah. at her wedding where she didn't like her stepdad. And, and, I, and I, I fear there isn't much longer left of Rini. And I think the next best thing that's going to happen to her is pole in the, the face. face. Yeah, which sadly doesn't happen, but it no. does in our personal headcanon. Um, I think that's mostly it for new characters in the, in the 70s. Uh, Mike Baldwin shows up and he's a bit Mike less Baldwin of a... Mike Baldwin is so unimportant in the, in the 70s and the episodes that we've been given to watch mm. that I am surprised at how significant he, he later becomes. It feels like it's I, I'm guessing just, he doesn't become a big character until the affair, the love like triangle. Like a secondary character who has no great great importance really he he was the one who basically got Ernest shot mm. because he b- bashed into the, in on them. into the robbers as they were trying to get the money off of Ernest because he was doing the wages Yeah. Um but other than that, I don't know what he's done, really. No, not a whole lot. We've also saw the, seen the introduction of Audrey, haven't we, who turns up when oh, Gail gets married great. to Brian. Yeah, because... Uh, engaged, sorry. I'll tell you what, wasn't Gail sweet? She was so, She's so, so simple and and kind of silly. And she really... She's very she, naive. She genuinely just fancies, fancies Brian. I don't think she loves him. Mm. Um, and she's just so happy to get married. And I know that people make fun of women in that era for just having one a one-track mind when it comes to getting married but that was the only way to get status without working incredibly hard and being very very lucky yeah like you couldn't have status and money and a house you definitely couldn't have children legitimately unless you had a man and um i think that people forget that women didn't have power at mm. all mm. and and the women who did have power were like i said lucky lucky and clever and not everybody is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she was just really, really thrilled to get married to this hunky guy. Mm. And then, um, and she hated Audrey. Now, this was a bit yeah. of a revelation for me because I've seen, I've seen the Platt family very dysfunctional, but also quite loving. 
and the the recent scene on Gail's birthday when her and Audrey were getting on really well with each other and um, they sort of talked about how much they loved each other and that scene was really sweet but it, it gives you even extra meaning when you go back and watch the introduction of Audrey who turns up for on the wedding day and Gail basically hates her because she's a flighty sort of man eater isn't she yeah who's had nothing to do with Gail doesn't Susie persuade Gail to write to her mum to at least tell her that she's got engaged because she's clearly been a very hands-off parent for most of of Gail's life she just sort of turns up like oh my daughter oh how nice she she comes up she she enters with a bang doesn't she I really can believe that she's the same Audrey yeah I I can but you definitely like Audrey is so matured since she like she is she is just She's one of those, like, bitchy... She's not bitchy, but she's just self-obsessed and narcissistic. Mm. And, like, the sort of person you read about on Reddit, where it's like, my mum's trying to make my wedding all about her. How can I stop her? Like, she just kind of, like, dresses up, dolls herself up at the the engagement party. That's right, she didn't turn up for the wedding. She turned Mm. up for the engagement party, which was Gail's 21st birthday. That's the one where the advert break ends on Gail showing her engagement finger to her. Audrey while well, the end of part one plays and she holds it and holds it and holds it and holds it for really an awkwardly amount long of amount time. Of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Audrey dolls herself up and goes on the manhunt, doesn't she, yeah. during this. And this is when Gail is desperately trying to put on a good impression for, for Ivy. Ivy and, and well, not, not, not her husband. Not Bert so no, Bert. much. He seems but like he's totally chill. Trying to put on a good impression for Ivy and then there's a, there's a mum congering down the street at the yeah. end of the episode. They have a proper 70s disco, don't they? Yeah, they do, and that episode. complete with self-conscious boogieing by all of the actors. Yeah, who that was Just that shuffle was their hips and, and waggle their shoulders backwards and forwards. Yeah, yeah. Because so, Audrey catches Len's attention during that as well, doesn't she? So, it, so Rita makes a bit of a, an enemy from afar of, uh, of Audrey. Yeah, see, 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 Rita's so insecure in this, in this marriage. Yeah, not surprisingly, because no. Len does have a bit of a wandering eye. Well, yeah, he's a bit of a womaniser, isn't he? Yeah, he it's also... no surprise that their marriage went the way it went, those two. But they had, they had real electric chemistry, uh, uh, those two. I've loved them. What, Len and Rita? Len and Rita, yeah. 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 I, I like the way that Rita knows her worth. Mm. Yeah, they're both very strong characters, they really don't do, they? They, yeah. they clash, but they work very well together as well. Good, a good match, yeah. if, if you're not going to have them have them with... And I, I really don't know how well Len and Elsie would ever have worked. No, I think, I think, I think they were best. Yeah. Yeah, ships Which, are passed in the night. Mm-hmm. So I think that's about it for the for the second half of the 70s and we're about to enter the 80s which I know is a, a real golden era for Coronation Street although some people would say the 70s were as well but when I look back on the 70s I think I'm going to look at it as a bridge between the very antiquated twee um, historical almost yeah. early black and white days of Coronation Street and the start of something big happening in the 80s with lots of classic characters bigger storylines a bit more bombastic I know it's you know, it takes another turn in 97 when Brian Park becomes producer. Well, don't forget also but that the I'm, 80s was the era of competition for yeah. Coronation Street. Yeah, for, because there's when EastEnders and, and that turns up, uh, doesn't and it? And also when more channels uh, mm. come around and... Mm. I'm and really hoping that the 80s lives up to what I think it's going to be, because I have seen a lot of it before on Granada Plus and you haven't, but... Um, 
it, it feels like it's a bit of a different show in the 80s. And as I say, 70s is, is a bridge. And it's a nice and gentle bridge. And there are some brilliant comedy moments that now modern Corrie just wouldn't have time for. Um, I think that's a really good way of describing it as a bridge. Oh, uh, but yeah. I, 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 there, there was equally more episodes in the 70s where I thought, not, not much happened there. It was a little bit dull. There was more where I was not interested I still th- in. I still think I would love to watch this as, as it should have been Oh, absolutely. Watched. And I think and there's I, still the opportunity for us to do that because a lot kind of it is on YouTube. In a glad, I'm kind of glad in a way that I haven't been able to because I can still go... Like, once we've... Once we finish watching all of these, I'm going to be so sad because I've so enjoyed watching old classic Corrie and, like... Mm. But, because I haven't seen every episode, I've not... I've not exhausted the well. No, and, and some and characters... And I've always had a bit of a problem, personally, with, with ending TV shows. I've still not watched the last season of Friends hmm. because I can't bear for it to be over. And I feel the same way about Coronation Street. But... It will never be over, so I don't need to worry too much. Very true, very true. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah so I think we will definitely go back and, and maybe there'll, there'll be some characters like Trisha, like Susie, like Rini that we've got a bit of a bad impression of. Maybe if we see more of them, oh, yeah, we, would, definitely. we would grow to like them more. Um, whereas oh, there's, there's other characters like the Flemings where I think we could see as much of them as we wanted and we'd never... No, don't be, care. No. We didn't mention the, the murder mystery with Len. And when Which he was one the, was that? The one where the wife came, the beaten wife. Is that right? Oh, yeah. This was a, this was a, qu- a quiz question early in the year where I asked you about who, who killed this lady. So, so there was um, a woman who came to Len for help in his counselor position role. as a counsellor. Because she was being abused, and in typical Len fashion, he kind of gets a bit uh, frustrated with her because she, she keeps crying, as you would do if you were being beaten by your husband and you had nowhere to turn, except for this annoying misogynistic man. And he kind of leaves her to her own devices mm. because he wants her to decide what she wants to do, and she, it's not as simple as that for her. And and he leaves, but then I think it was who's next door? Is it Hilda? Somebody hears like banging and screaming. Yeah. And then she crops up dead. Yeah, and before that we see the door handle turn, don't we? On yeah. Her. And, and it, we don't I know think who it is. Was, it. It's obviously not. It would have been Len, fairly obvious there. to anybody watching. That was the same episode that was like a double murder mystery because doesn't a, a pigeon end up dead and um, everyone accuses Bobby? And yeah, Minnie, that's of course, right. Says, oh no, Bobby it was would never. Bobby, do Bobby's it. a lovely cat. He would never call anybody. Gail gets a stalker in nineteen seventy six. Um, and she gets oh, yeah. held hostage. This, this stalky where I can't act very well or is good at acting, just kind of distant and creepy. Uh, that was that was weird, but that that was a that was a good episode for Gail, character wise, and, and and seeing that she can stand up to this guy. There was also a good episode on YouTube when Eddie and Monkey Gibbons are trying to find somewhere to stay after they just got out of prison, and they hear that. Um, number 11 is empty, but they don't reckon on Elsie coming to move back in and she finds oh, yeah, them in bed, in bed together. Oh, yeah, she's getting bed together or something. Yeah. 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 Um, there's also a really interesting story when um, Ernie wants to go, because he's a musician as well as a photographer, and he wants to go to play for strippers at the Gatsby Club and Emily gets really mad about it. Which I thought was interesting because she interviewed that stripper in the 1960s, didn't she? She was the one who... quite liberal about it. Yeah, she definitely was. Ernie seemed to be photographing naked women half the time, didn't he? Because he got arrested in Spain that one time for 
photographing some women on a nudist beach. Well, also, I to remember. in 1976, at the Baldwin's Christmas party, he gets molested by a group of women in, in what's supposed to be a comedy scene where they all attack him and take mm. his clothes off, but actually was, like, serious sexual harassment. Didn't that happen to Jason or something, like... It's not really 40 that... 40 years later. It's not really that funny. Yeah. Um, uh, we had the... Sea- I was just reading through oh, notes and now, also, seeing what stands out. in 1977, this was when Janet... Ken's wife, ex-wife, oh, yeah. um, his kills wife at herself. the time. Yeah, um, she she takes some pills. There's a quite an artistic sort of setup with the click ticking clock and her in bed, and he's there downstairs going, "When are you going to wake up? Breakfast is ready. I've made you some tea or mm. whatever." But she's dead in bed, and it's really poignant. Yeah, um, and everybody's but kind of suspicious of about this because she it? came back, didn't she? She, they'd been estranged and she came back to, to, to kill herself. Yeah. I think. I think she tried to get back with Ken. Get back or, you know. He shows, he shows it's Ken or die. Um, so she ends up dead she, in the bed. And yeah. the police sort of investigate and... We had the Silver Jubilee episode where they're all dressed oh. up. There's Ina as, um, as Queen Victoria. And, that was uh, good. Eddie's a caveman. It's like famous British figures. And yeah. Eddie says, well, there must have been British cavemen or something. There must the, have been. The float doesn't work because Stan's left the night at... Yeah, Stan's left the light on in the, on the float all night. Yeah. Um, for security, apparently. And then they have hold this kangaroo court in the Rovers the next day where they all accuse Stan oh. and, and Eddie's his... Defence lawyer. This wasn't the first time that there had been a kangaroo court set up to convict so. Stan. No, because they thought he was the peeping top. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's they said right. they were going to take him to the police and everything. Poor Stan. Poor Stan. There was also Love a him. surprise party in 1977, which celebrated her 70 years at the Rovers. And he's 70. And he's, yeah, Billy shows up. The, the brewery man gives her a silver tray. Um, and oh, that's the end of the episode. Because at the very end of it, that's when Deirdre gets attacked. In yes. the uh, under the viaduct, that was very dramatic. Because Ian, what's his name? Ernest was playing the piano, and yeah. at the same time, we get to see Deirdre kind of yeah walking through the dark and looking back behind her and quickening the pace of her feet, and we just see and yeah, and then she gets yeah, that was really really well done actually. She gets attacked. It was very, yeah, and it was really cool because it was quite film noir. It was. Like she was walking along and yeah, looking behind looked, her, and everything was really and starkly lit, mm. and she was hurrying between the pools of light. Yeah, um, that was that was very nicely done. You're right. There was a charity pram race in 1978 where the women had to wheel the men around in prams while they went from pub to pub and had to drink a pint of beer every every stop and get round. And Susie and Steve came back first, but Ina, she's supposed to be the invigilator, and she's a big old snitch because she tells everybody that, that Steve, Steve didn't drink a pint at one yeah, of the so places. Yeah, that's Steve. Steve Fisher. Steve Fisher, the the forgettable person. Eddie and Mavis never make it to the end. <laughs> that was a really funny tri- uh, double act, wasn't it? Because yeah, just for that one episode. Eddie, Eddie in the pram and poor Mavis with her sticky bird legs trying to push yeah. it along. Um, they try to they try to do a shortcut. It doesn't work, and then she like ditches the pram in a in an alleyway and runs away, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, oh, and there was also a bit of drama because Len and Ray had a bunch of materials in a. Um, in a in a warehouse and it caught on fire and it turned out they weren't insured and they mm. thought they were. There was also a funny scene when Annie has bad back and she has a masseuse called Mr Garfield who she thinks is a doctor because he says he works at a hospital but he is actually just a hospital oh, yeah, porter. Oh that, um, uh, that was that was quite funny. Um, oh and and in 1979, this is when Eddie sells 
Hilda's painting to Annie, and oh, she like funny. she kind of he shows shows it off, and he's yeah. Hilda's done some weird impressionistic yeah painting of and, something. And, and Annie's like, you know, I think this is a very important piece, and she's like. Gives gives and and he says I've yeah. got to sell it to somebody else and she says I'll give you the money doesn't matter where it, it's like she ends up paying about a hundred quid in today's like money that, yeah. for for this painting and that was the same episode when Ken is trying to teach somebody how to read and her husband thinks that they're having an affair and comes in and beats him up yeah yeah there's a nice well, no, scrap in he number beats, one he, Ken Ken, Ken comes out better there Ken Ken was a bit of a a scrapper and a yeah yeah a sort of he was a renaissance man wasn't he because he could read and he could fight yeah. <laughs> um i think oh there was a yeah the metal detector thing yeah we've had that one. Oh, bet and rita go on holiday in a, in a caravan because len said he would go on holiday but then he has to work so rita goes without him and offers better place in their caravan and they both go off together mm. and i think rita regrets it immediately yeah because bet just wants to get men yeah i think that's it um i think we're oh, well in the very end of the year during the New Year's Eve episode, which I've mentioned before, Al, there's a funny bit where they decide that Alf has to be the one who does the first, first footing. footing. So they give him a bit of coal and some risky and something else. I've forgotten what it is. Mm. And he has to go out and come in on the stroke of midnight. So they push him out 15 minutes early. But then a bunch of drunk women find him and, and lure him back to their house. Mm. around the road and then he phones up the rovers and says len just listen and say yes come round here there's a bunch of birds they're all getting drunk so basically all the men evacuate and go to this party yeah, so we're left at Fred midnight G with all the women wondering where, where all, the, are they? all the men are that was but funny. that was also the scene where we get to see susan she comes from scotland oh yeah and she is a, inexplicably a, uh, she's older and well, she's as Scottish as she should be, but more Scottish than you remember her being because she comes back in the 80s, played by the actress who used to play her, the English girl, and then again when she gets um, bumped off by <laughs> Billy Mayhew <laughs> in the car crash, she's got a but different she's actress. she's just a very sweet, young, she's very sweet and, and Scottish, Scottish girl. Yeah, and, and then, I think there'd been a scene with Peter earlier in the 70s yeah, as well, was, which yeah. was a Scottish Peter. So, so, they, so she came down. At some point they wanted them to have a, an accent, but it didn't... Didn't, didn't work. Stick. Didn't stick. So he, she, he comes down. She comes down, and uh, Hilda's there, isn't she? And Ken tries to make everybody think that he's got a girlfriend, and yeah. he says all these pervy things about, oh yeah, I like him young and stuff. It's like, oh, that's your daughter, and she looks about sixteen. But he does end up with Deirdre, who is is quite a few years his junior, doesn't? Well, he? they're supposed to go out to a party together, aren't they? Because they're dating at this point. Yeah. This is the other thing that's happened. Deirdre's decided that she wants to date Ken and so they have like they're supposed to go out on the town but instead it seems to me that they literally sit on the world's most uncomfortable looking sofa for hours <laughs> silently drinking and waiting for the stroke of midnight yeah so they can have a kiss yeah so sweet and there's a lot more to come for that relationship in the 80s exactly what a great place to end mm. end Coronation Street on Rita and Len like um, being mad, Elsie and Ina sort of making up and chatting together, and then with Deirdre and romance, Ken. one of Corrie's most enduring and most beloved couples. Yeah, Ken and Deirdre just bringing the, uh, in the the nineteen eighties. Yeah. We'll find out what happens next. We will. I mean, it's going to be late summer, I guess, by the time we finish the first half of the eighties. Yeah. So we'll, we will be back then to talk about that. But uh, thank you everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed that little uh, reminiscing and. Um, or new information if you... And didn't. next week on our YouTube channel, we'll be talking a bit more about characters from the 70s because that's when we'll be um, rating. rating 
the, the characters that made their debut in the 70s, so look out for that. And if you're listening to this on YouTube right now, then that's probably going to be in a couple of days that that turns up. Yeah. So um, that's it. If you want to um, write us in and tell us your thoughts about the 1970s, have we missed anything? Are you you disagree with us? Have we... Have we um, We've done someone dirty. Yeah, or, Su- or have I we think picked we, up someone we you might, hated? We might have some Susie Birchall, Trisha Hopkins, Rini Rini Bradshaw. I was say, fans where's the Rini Bradshaw posse to take us to town and turn us into the sheriff? Yeah, yeah. Do uh, do write into conversationstreet at gmail.com and let us know. Or tweet us, Conversation Street on Twitter, or find us on Facebook, uh, Facebook group, which is a private group, which you have to answer questions to enter, but it's very simple. Very <laughs> um, and uh, on Instagram and YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Thanks everybody for listening and um, ta for now. Bye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Mm-hmm.